Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Keep Them Coming. Today, March 31st, is International Transgender Day of Visibility. It was started by a therapist named Rachel Crandall, and it was designed to help switch up the conversation. Transgender Day of Remembrance is in the fall and can often be a somber event as they're remembering people of trans experience who are no longer with us. Transgender Day of Visibility was created because, well, Ms. Crandall thought we needed more opportunities to celebrate joy. So today, let's talk about something that can help increase people's joy, which is having a healthier pelvic floor. Not only does it have a myriad of health benefits to have a healthy pelvic floor, it's gonna help increase your pleasure. It's gonna help make your sex life better. I have as a guest today, Dr. Laura Mayhofer. She used to be at the Mayo Clinic. She's still in Rochester, but she's got her own practice now. And she does specialize in pelvic floor wellness for people of trans and intersex experience. We went through all the things, explaining not only what is pelvic floor therapy and why is pelvic floor health important. We also discussed pleasure. We talked about some of our favorite sex toys and intimacy products for people of trans experience and why we like them and why our clients like them. Everyone deserves pleasure. You know me, I believe that pleasure is your birthright. That goes for everyone. The pitch also let me cover something for Transgender Day of Visibility. I was able to interview several people from Transformations KC. You can find my article online on thepitch.com or go to any of my social media channels like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and click the link in my bio and you will see the link where I talked to Marie Jensen J.D. Basares and Kelly New from Transformations KC. It is a organization that focuses on supporting transgender and gender non-conforming youth in our area. They have made a shift to really focus their efforts on supporting some of the more marginalized communities, so specifically black and brown transgender youth because they have some very different circumstances and experiences oftentimes that they are facing compared to their white counterparts, as you will read in the article. If you listen to the interview that I did with Marique on TDOR and sipping tea with Marique Jensen back in the fall, you, uh, you know exactly why transformations made that shift. But if you don't, either go back and listen to that episode or read my interview with her and some other members of the board of directors for Transformations Casey. I was very happy to showcase them and talk about their organization some more so the community could so the community could learn more about their efforts. I want to thank the pitch for giving me the platform to be able to feature Transformations Casey. Also, today March 31st, if you're listening to this, you might still have a chance to come this evening to Kansas City's uh, Transgender Day of Visibility celebration. It's Transformation in the Workplace with the Mid-America LGBT Chamber of Commerce hosting that. I am going to have a table at the Resource Fair. 
There will be classes for both just pe- people in the community as well as HR professionals to understand how to transform their workplace in order to be more friendly and accommodating and inclusive to people with trans experience. Because some of y'all's policies are a little bit outdated and you're not going to get the diverse talented candidates that you want unless you become more inclusive with your hiring practices. So that is the hope for tomorrow's classes. Well, today's classes, I should say. I'm saying tomorrow because I'm recording this today on the 30th. Anyway, March 31st, catch us at the Kansas City Club. If you missed it this year, put it on your calendar for next year because they do an event every single year for Transgender Day of Visibility. I think that's all I had to cover. So enjoy the episode. Well, happy Transgender Day of Visibility, you all. I have a guest on today who specializes more on the health side of things, pelvic floor health for folks with transgender experience. I'm joined today by Dr. Laura Mayhofer. She is a pelvic wellness expert. She's based in Rochester, Minnesota. She used to be at the Mayo Clinic. Cool, cool stuff. Um, And she's also a yoga teacher. And she has really been passionate about trying to educate people about pelvic floor health, again, for people who are transgender or intersex. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm so happy to be here. Well, other than kind of what I just threw out there for the audience, tell us a little bit more about you and your work, especially with pelvic floor health. Yes. So I have been officially in this area for 10 years, officially in May. Uh, And I love the pelvic floor because it is so like not talked about. And Mm -hmm. I love that I can really make a change by spreading awareness around the pelvic floor. So just so everyone knows the pelvic floor, no matter what genitalia you were born with, uh, is made up of 26 muscles. They attach behind the front of our pubic bone, and then they run like a slinger hammock and attach into our tailbone and the bottom part of our spine, the sacrum. So because of their orientation, they have four major functions. They help to hold the pelvic organs up and in place. They deal with our urinary and bowel continence. They deal with our sexual appreciation, which is kind of the fun one that everyone hears about. And then they also deal with um, stability of our spine and our hips. So these muscles have to be able to contract and lift, and they also have to be able to relax and release. And so many people struggle with um, some type of pelvic floor dysfunction. Uh, like for instance, I'm seeing some younger folks that are having a challenging time placing menstrual products. I'm seeing Mm -hmm. kind of middle, like any age that you can think of, um, any kind of, um, gender identity you can think of who have, uh, pelvic pain or low back pain, hip pain, abdominal pain that is related to those pelvic floor muscles. Um, and so because of that, I found that you have to be able to ask really specific questions and people have to, sort of like you or trust you so that they feel okay telling you that. So I started just seeing your standard run-of-the-mill folks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, probably, gosh, is it like five years now, four years now? 
has to be five years. Oh my goodness. Time mm-hmm. flies. Mm-hmm. Um, that I actually had a really good friend who is a sex uh, therapist at Mayo Clinic um, and said, we have a patient that just had bottom surgery. So they were uh, trans female and they had just had bottom surgery and they were completely incontinent. Can mm-hmm. you help them? Mm-hmm. Um And we don't know what to do for this person, but I know you treat this in people who sex assigned at birth are female and who identify as female. And I know you do that sex assigned at birth male and who identify as male in the cis population. And I'm like, well, I let's give it a try. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's how I um, started. And then from there, I was really hooked in helping this population. Oh, well, I, that's a, sorry to think here, how to say it right. That's quite a way to enter into that population, but I'm, I take it. You were probably able to help that person. Yes. So in within like a very short period of time. So by physical therapy standards, generally we want to see some type of improvement within four sessions, four to six sessions. Generally you see someone once a week. And so within three months, they went from wearing eight incontinence pads a day Mm -hmm. to only to not wearing any incontinence pads in three months time, which is such a huge quality of life change. And, um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to that patient because I acknowledge that there is not a ton of continuing education out there. Um, but I never once made them educate me on what was happening. I was just like, okay, I'm going to see this patient and now I'm going to talk to the surgeon. I'm going to talk to the nurses. I'm going to, um, see if there's any research out there anywhere that talks about that. And then when the patient came in and they went to educate me, I was like, oh no, 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 you don't need to educate me. I'm like, I just need to hear what your signs and symptoms are. And then you might need to give me a little bit of extra time to just pause and think. Um, so I can remember my anatomy structures, but you don't have to educate. Like that's my job to figure that out. So it was from there. It was just really, like I said, I just sort of was bit with the bug, you know, you know, what you just touched on there is something that I know people who have trans experience have shared is that they're constantly having to educate those around them because like, this is still something that in the general public, people don't discuss the ins and outs of the transgender experience. Totally. And I know a lot of people out there, while they may have questions, it's not necessarily their business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can go out there and try to read things online, but as you say, there's not a lot of research. So Yes. Um, I know even for just someone myself who's trying from a professional standpoint to understand more, it can be challenging. You, mm-hmm. you do sometimes just have to speak to someone in real life. Yes. Um, you at least have the advantage of being in the medical field and especially where you're at. Um, they have the transgender and intersex specialty care clinic there. So that, that was where you really, I think, um, have started to make an impact. It sounds like in your community there. Yes. So I, I do totally agree that it is challenging, like you said, to find, um, 
things to help kind of educate yourself. What I personally have found really helpful and for anyone listening, I really like the WPATH standards of care has been hugely helpful to me because it sort of gives a sampling of every single person who could be involved in the care team or who should be involved in the care team for um, an individual who identifies as transgender. And I, so for me, that was nice because when they said, oh, I'm going to my endocrine doctor or I'm going to my therapist or I'm going to the surgeon, I already kind of knew what needed to happen. Um, And so that was something that I found really helpful because I was like, oh, okay, like as much as I feel sometimes I can't access the articles on Google because they're behind some paywall or whatever, at least this was something that I could download. And I'm sort of a, I feel old school because I like to have a hard copy that I can highlight. And I I do that too. I I have a drawer full of studies that I have printed off and read through. I know. And so I like to have that as like my little sort of talisman of, you know, educating myself. And then um, another resource that I've actually found hugely helpful was the, um, I think it's called the Transgender Cancer Network. Um, And they're amazing. And they have um, two videos that I really like. One is called Vanessa Goes to the Doctor. And then they have an updated one um, that has many people, both trans male, trans female, who are kind of sharing their experience of going to the doctor and how we how words matter. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, so those are like things that I share with my team who helps me with social media, with um, any new provider who's going into this area. So yes. Mm. Well, I appreciate you being out there trying to not only treat folks, but it really does sound like you're trying to increase education in this field. So I, uh, and I found you on Instagram. And I have very much appreciated your content. Thank you. What's it been like for you getting out there and talking about things like this? I mean, not everyone on the internet is kind. Um, (laughs) Well, again, Transgender Day of Visibility needs to be about joy. Um, You know, I'm sure that you've reached a lot of wonderful people, but yeah, what's, what's your experience been like being vocal and being an advocate and ally for the community? Yes. So I, when I first started on Instagram and first started kind of going after that follower count, it was in, um, it was interesting because when I would share something related to the transgender community related to like lesbian, gay, anything basically that is outside of what we would quote unquote, typically see in the Midwest um, I would lose followers. And I was so irritated by that. I wanted to like, see who those people were and be like, are you just not following me because, because I posted this or is there a direct correlation? Like it made me really mad. And so then I luckily, uh, worked with some social media people who said, you know, it's about building community. And it's about knowing yourself and what you stand for. And so for me, I really looked within and just said, my core values are education and inclusion. And so if 
people don't align with that, then they can go get this content somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so since I've adopted maybe that acceptance of what my own core values are, it's been a lot easier for me to, um, to incorporate and be that like the ideal version of myself. So I always, as I'm like going through life, there's this version of myself and I can see her in the future and she's much more chill. She has more space and time to like, think about things like her platform looks a certain way. And so everything I do is towards that lady. And, um, as a result, it's been really fun because even if I'm not covering something specifically on transgender folks, I want people to, I want to use language that is inclusive. So if I post something like right now, I'm talking about things you can, should consider before you even get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, But the wording I'm using is not women, 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 women. Um, If I'm talking about period pain, it's not women who menstruate, women who menstruate. It's Mm -hmm birthing people, um, people who menstruate. And mm-hmm. so I have been really excited and I think it's kind of hysterical. Some of the people who end up speaking out or messaging me in private on my phone, because it's like, you've been actually exposed to the appropriate way of wording things every single day that you come to my account and my platform and you don't even know it. And until I did two weeks on transgender related topics, Mm -hmm. you were completely fine. And so I will tell that to the person. And then it's kind of funny. Some people respond back, some people unfollow and I just think that's funny. Um, But it's been overall, it's been except for when I originally, originally started, it's been really a wonderful space. I, um, I just decided this past week when I was going through some comments, um, for people that if they are being critical of me, that's one thing, but if they're being critical of a community, I'm just going to unfollow and block or like not unfollow, but block them, Mm -hmm. not even restrict them. I'm just straight up blocking them because it's one thing to criticize me, but it's another thing to criticize a community I support. And I'm just not really feeling that. And so it's also interesting to see how my values and standards and things have changed because I sort of have always felt like a very protective mama bear, you know, Mm, I feel Um, that. (laughs) Yeah. Not that, not, not that this community needs me to, to be that, but I did have, um, uh, my sex therapist friend who uh, mentored me. She just said, it's really important to have someone who's cisgender. Cause I'm like cisgender, straight white woman, you know, of Mm -hmm. upper middle class. Like I, kind of check a lot of the boxes. And she was saying that it's really powerful when I can add my voice and when I can advocate because it's exhausting to do it um, every single day when, like you said, you're a person of transgender experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so I really took that to heart for every platform and everything I do every day. Yeah. I have very much had to do the same. I, I describe myself as a mother hen, especially with my friends. 
Um, and I got into some arguments just on my personal Facebook page this week with some TERFs mm-hmm. for those out there. That's trans exclusionary radical feminists. I mean, these, these are women who I, I would consider feminists and it was over the Leah Thomas, mm-hmm. swim, you know, the NCAA swimmer uh. and they just continually misgendered her. I was like, we, we just can't even continue the conversation because you're not even acknowledging that Leah is a woman. Right. So like, we don't have anywhere to go here. Right. Um, I just, my, my marketing guy had pointed out a few years ago, how he's like, you're, you're starting to get a little more political on your pages, especially Facebook and sometimes on Instagram. And I, I just want to point that out and make sure like, you know what that will mean. Right. And I said, you know, I would rather put all of this out there and push away people who are not going to agree with me and are not going to agree with some of my other clients or mm-hmm. completely invalidate their existence. Mm-hmm. So they can find someone else to work with. There's plenty of people out there. It's just not totally. going to be me. Totally. Totally. And I love that. And it's, it's scary when you're first kind of coming up in the ranks, because when I was in Mayo Clinic, you know, you're sort of behind this iron curtain. You're not like an individual. You're part of this larger institution, uh, which has its pros and cons. But um, when you go out on your own, everything they want you to do is, you know, to be really specific and niche down, niche, 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 niche. And they, I remember they're like, okay, are you going to be the person who deals with transgender pelvic floors? Are you going to be the person that deals with pregnant people? Are you going to be the person that deals with urinary incontinence? Like, which one are you? And I'm like, I'm all of them. Like everyone should be able to come and feel welcome. And I don't want to say I'm the one expert on, on caring for transgender intersex folks. Um, I want them to know that I am one person who's very good at it, but, um, and here's what I do so that they can replicate that locally. And if they can't find it locally, then I want to be accessible or create things that are accessible to them. Yeah, absolutely. So you're in private practice now. Yes. Right. Yeah. So how, how do you, do you have people that travel to you or do you have a large community there simply because of like the spillover mm-hmm. from Mayo clinic? Like how do you kind of get out there and support the transgender community? Like yes, marketing yourself, everything. Yes. So, um, this has been an area that I am actively working on right now. So the big thing that I do is I'm really into search engine optimization. So I have been working really hard to fix my website and make sure that every piece of content I create, like I was saying is like, um, appropriate words. And then, um, I continue to speak at the Mayo clinic, um, inner transgender and intersex specialty care conference that's hosted every year. And it's a multidisciplinary, um, group. So I do that. Um, I haven't aside for, aside from like being involved in local pride um, and supporting our 
um, local group by like buying the t-shirt and they have this really cool um, published uh, little magazine thing that they um, made. Aside from doing that stuff, because I've been in such a building business mode, I feel like I have not been as good as I would like. And so what I mean by that is I think it is really important to go out in the community to talk to like the folks. And my big thing is accessible care, accessible care, accessible care. That's what always is like preaching in my brain. And it's quite expensive to come and work with me one-on-one. And so I, as a result, haven't had as big of and rich of a client base, and I haven't been able to offer a sliding scale yet because of all the other business stuff I've had to do. Who knew starting a business in 2020, uh, January of 2020 would then have COVID happen, you know? And so, um, but I love that I have these goals of things that I want to get to, like being able to um, do outreach, like free courses or eventually offering a sliding scale. Like I like to know what, my end goal is so that I can take steps to get there. So right now it's been make sure that people, when they arrive to your website, feel seen, Mm -hmm. make sure you have diverse images that represent the entire population, beautiful population. And then, um, as I get more time and space, I want to be more visible in, within my community. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure as I may be making an assumption here, but perhaps just as a pelvic floor therapist, when you've got someone who's cisgendered, has an HSA or whatever, has, you know, the funds that that's, you know, I love working with the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do offer a sliding scale oftentimes to certain populations. Um, and it is the cisgendered folks that make up the difference for me. (laughs) Totally. And speaking as a cisgendered person, I'm totally okay with that. Like if I can pay for something, because like I said, I am a cis white upper middle-class heterosexual person. Like I, yeah, like totally, because I have had so many more advantages And that's the thing that's kind of frustrating to me and why I feel like sometimes on my social media, maybe I go a little bit political or I get a little bit kind of angry because it's like, I don't understand why, how you cannot see like the microaggressions and just the flat out huge aggressions you are doing by just even saying what you're saying. And I just like want to like rage against the machine and speaking <laughs> of the, um, the, um, speaking of allowing, um, transgender folks into sports, I was a former athlete and I've gotten a lot of questions about that. And I always say, may the best person win. Like if I'm going up against another individual, I don't care. I want to know that my skills got me that position because I was the best person and I was quite surprised. And I've been actively messaging my representatives because Minnesota has like five bills 
um, against transgender athletes competing. And I was astonished that I didn't know. And so I've been sending the emails, doing the phone calls, you know, and it on one hand doesn't feel enough, but on the other hand, I'm like really happy that I'm figuring out how to do it, but it's also like not as obvious as I would like, you know, as so everyone can do it, but yeah, there's a lot there and I get quite heated. (laughs) It is up to folks like us that are allies of the community to continue to reach out to our state reps and to call the mayor's office, call the governor's office, call whoever, email, send let all the things, tweet at them. I do everything every day. I, there's at least something that I'm doing almost every morning after I've looked at Twitter and seen what's going on. I'm making phone calls to somebody here at my desk before I get my day started. That's not a great way, probably stress wise for me to start my day calling Josh Hawley's office. Yeah. Or Roy Blunt. Right. Or Mike Person. We've got some real shitheads around here, Laura. Yes. Josh Hawley's leading the charge. Oh, um, yeah. So I feel you. But yes, we, that is something that we have to be responsible for is participating in the political process and using what little privilege we may hold to speak mm-hmm. up for other people. Yes. Because there's plenty of people calling on the other side. So, yes. It doesn't matter if we think our elected officials agree with us or not. We still Mm -hmm. have to call their office because there is still a staffer who's taking marks on both sides. Yeah. Counting the calls, counting the letters. That's the thing that I actually learned that I think is so awesome that you just highlighted is you don't even have to know the exact right thing to say. You can literally just say, I disagree with these bills and it is a tally system. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well that, t- I thought I was going to have to like go to battle and that I wouldn't be knowledgeable enough. And they're like, no, it's literally just speed dial. You can have it on speed dial and you can just do, it's, you just say the same thing every time it's sheer numbers. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, so yeah, let's do this. Yes. It can take 30 seconds because typically you're not going to actually get a staffer. You're going to get a voicemail, mm-hmm. especially when you call Roy Blunt's office. So all you have to do is say, here's my name. I am a constituent. You don't even have to call just people. You are a constituent of their district. Mm-hmm. You can call anybody. I have called other legislators and other mm-hmm. senators and simply said, I'm an American citizen and I disagree with what you're doing and what you're saying and this bill that you have sponsored. And yes. that's all you have to do and, and be kind to say like, I appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to give them a pleasantry of wonderful day, but right. <laughs> especially when I get that staffer, I'm always, you know, talk to them. Like, yeah. you know, that they are not responsible <laughs> for the bullshit yeah. that's going on. They are simply the message taker yeah. <laughs> and it, they will actually like write your stuff down when you're kind to them. Yes. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I definitely want to talk a little bit more details and help people understand more about pelvic floor therapy and pelvic floor health. And I want to help distinguish for folks what intersex is. Yes. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. back from the break. Again, I'm here with Dr. Laura Mayhofer. And 
I know, I mean, some people may have listened to my older episodes. I mean, it's been a long time since I've had a pelvic floor therapist on here and you did touch base early on, on what the pelvic floor actually does, but I would like you to help the listeners understand a little bit more about when we're talking about pelvic floor therapy. I mean, this isn't just like you're pushing on their belly. Like this is the only kind of physical therapy that you were actually inside a human's body. Not, not for everything that you're doing, but again, this is you, you are sometimes manually manipulating the muscle structures from inside the body. Um, but yeah, tell the listeners a little bit more about what are some of the things that you, you do and some of the conditions that you treat. Yes. So you hit the nail on the head and I loved how you stressed that I am inside someone's body. So, um, and I say that because pelvic floor physical therapy for a long time, got a not great rap, um, after the whole Larry Nasser, uh, us gymnastics piece of things. Um, and I'm excited to highlight what good, what a good appropriate thing should look like a yeah. pelvic exam. So basically things that I can treat are, uh, especially for, um, transgender folks, you can have a, a quote unquote shy bladder or bathroom anxiety. So difficulty starting the flow of urine. So a lot of people, when I said earlier, you know, you I'm dealing with bowel and bladder continence, everyone thinks, oh, that must mean only leakage. But when you urinate, think about does your stream start in immediately? Does it stop and start? Do you, when you, the stream stops and you check in with your bladder, does it feel fully empty? Mm -hmm. Uh, if you go to stand up, do you leak when you stand up? Um, do you have an urge to go to the bathroom and you're in the back of target or Walmart and you're having to run there because you might leak on the way to the bathroom, which is more of a coordination issue. Uh, do you have constipation? So are you straining excessively? Are you sitting on the toilet for longer than 10 minutes? Are you going to the bathroom? Are you having a bowel movement every three to four days instead of once a day or once every other day? So these are things from a bowel and bladder perspective that I'm screening for. Then when you go over to like a sexual appreciation, are you having pain with intercourse? Mm -hmm. Um, do you have any arousal issues? So a lot of folks who um, are transgender might have um, dysphoria around their genitals. Some people might not when it comes to like sexual activity, everyone's different, but um, are you, if there is a goal, so if I wanna have orgasm, sexual appreciation, no matter how I get there, am I able to achieve the goal? And then if I'm not, that's where physical therapy comes in. So what I do is I always look at someone's back and hips. So it's really important to look at someone broadly, but then getting to really the meat of the matter of the pelvic floor, again, always with people's consent. I explain what I am doing, before or what I would like to do, I explain that there are modifications that I can do, and then I get their consent. And then along the way, I like to continue to ask for consent because we might be doing a part of the exam and they might decide I'm done. I'm over, like I've gotten a lot of information. I'm flooded. 
no more. And then we can stop and that's fine. Uh, but generally, uh, what I look at is first someone's range of motion. So I'm looking at that space that's actually right in front of or more towards the front of your body, the perineal space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see when they contract, does it move up? When you bear down, does it move down? What's that range of motion look like? And then I push on the muscles gently as if I'm pushing around your eyeball um, to see, are they tight? Are they tender? Are they short? Are they inflexible? So they should feel soft and supple. Like if you're pushing into your the pad of your hand where your thumb connects um, Mm -hmm. to your palm there, they should feel soft and supple like that. Or do the muscles feel really kind of gristly and firm, kind of like if I massage my upper neck, my upper trap, I have some knots in there. That's what it will feel like. And then the Mm -hmm. patient will often say, oh, that hurts or, oh, it like everyone thinks I have long fingernails because they're like, it feels like you're scratching me. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I do not have long fingernails. (laughs) Um, so we go through all that and I can do that. Um, vaginally or rectally. And now I'm saying vaginally or rectally, but I want everyone to also know that good therapy, good providers can change our language to fit your needs. So on my intake form, it specifically says if any of the words in here are like triggering to you or upsetting, please discontinue filling out the form and we will talk about it in person. And then I will ask Um, And then on um, the specific form I have for transgender folks, I have um, ways you would like to describe your like genitals. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so some people say, just use the anatomical terms. I want to make sure we don't miss anything. I want to make sure I fully understand you're the only person that talks in this capacity. So I want to make sure that when I go to convey it to my primary care doctor, that I convey it appropriately. Okay. And then I have other people that say, you know, instead of vagina, I'd like middle opening Okay. instead Mm -hmm. of penis. I prefer phallus. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. So when I do these internal techniques, either vaginally or rectally, same thing, I'm seeing what do those muscles feel like? And if they're tight or inflexible, then I can do gentle techniques to get the muscles to relax. And again, the, um, a good, you know, the physical therapist is good if they're checking and rechecking, checking and rechecking. If you just come in and it's every time the exact same type of session set up and they're pushing on the same muscles and the muscles aren't changing or getting better, like I said, within that four to six visit range, then um, you they're barking up the wrong tree. They're either the therapist isn't skilled enough or, or there's something else going on that we need to look more deeply into. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And so the thing with transgender folks that many pelvic floor physical therapists freak out on is they're like, Oh, if they've had bottom surgery, they're like, I don't know what the anatomy looks like. I don't know. There's no research to say that, but really when it comes down to it is our anatomy is, uh, I'm not going to say the same, but when you undergo bottom surgery, sometimes we're taking away certain muscles. And so if you know the surgery protocol, if you talk to the surgeon, if you make sure to give your surgical report to your physical therapist, we can see, oh, 
these structures are still remaining. These structures are gone. I know anatomically where they are. So I'm going to know where the scar tissue is. I'm going to know where the other muscles connect to address. So it's, it's, it is the same in that the anatomy structures always live there, but it's just slightly different. And so you just have to change it in your brain a little bit from a provider perspective. I, I think that there's, this is me just speaking here. I think that there is a lot of fear in the medical community for anything that's outside of a norm, that those standard deviations outside of that cause fear and anxiety. And I don't, I don't think necessarily it's unfounded because of the litigious nature of our country, or perhaps they don't want to do something wrong or just provide bad care. But when there are resources out there for you to learn about it, it makes it feel a little unjustified to say like, I just don't understand it. And I just, uh, then it's starting to get into more, I think of the, where's your personal biasy coming in that you haven't learned to check that bias. So Mm -hmm. totally. And I think it's like you said, there are resources out there of people who are, who, who know what they're doing, like me, who offer mentoring to healthcare providers, who, um, also I was treating, um, I was treating someone who's also a pelvic floor physical therapist. And they were saying, I didn't know to do all of the stuff that you're doing. And they're like, and I knew I didn't know how to do all of this stuff. And so I know that that's when I need to refer on. So again, if you're working with someone, you might have someone who's super trans friendly and super excited to learn, and they might not yet be competent in physical therapy practices, but they're, they're actively learning. And that's where I was like five years ago, where it was like, I wasn't competent, but I was pumped. I was excited. I was open, you know? And so Well, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And so that's where it's just, I always encourage um, trans folks. And I actually had an amazing conversation um, with uh, an individual, uh, Reese, who does trans fertility um, on Instagram. Um, He was saying how as an ally, you can call or you can ask one of your allies to call the medical place for you to see or to maybe help you Google stock. Um, Because again, like you said, if you go onto Instagram and this person is maybe posting support for these anti-trans bills, I mean, it is insane what people post on social media. They really tell you who they are. Mm -hmm. Don't go to that person, you know, Google stock them. Don't go to them, come to someone else. Um, So yeah, so it is, it is very private, the type of PT that I do, Mm -hmm. um, and pelvic floor people do, but it is so amazing because again, I've met so many people who are like, they want to go into the bathroom, but they're so nervous that they can't get those muscles to relax. So then we go through and I explain, this is what Titan feels like. This is what relax feels like. This is how you can coordinate it. If you start deep breathing five minutes before you have to go to the bathroom, by the time you get there, then we've gotten that cascade of the um, muscle relaxers from the brain. And so when you sit down, you've already prepped mm. versus sitting down and then starting the prep process and then, you know, being worried about it. It's about 
sometimes educating. I had one um, trans woman, she was so amazing. And she was like, I know that people can hear me pee, pee differently. And she was convinced that people on either side of the stall. And I was like, man, when I'm going into that bathroom, I'm like, I am like just trying to pee and get out of there. Half the time I'm on my cell phone. I was like, um, and she was also worried that her feet were like wider apart. And so I showed how I sat on the toilet and she was like, your feet are that wide apart. I was like, (laughs) yes, this is how I can get my pelvic floor to relax. This is how I pee. And she was like, oh my God, that looks like how a man sits. Cause I like sit kind of wide stance and I lean forward Mm -hmm. and I was like, this is how my pelvic floor reacts. And I was like, I, you know, and when I pee, it's like very high pressure sound. And she just thought that was the funniest thing ever. And I was like, yeah, we're, you know, like when I go into urinate, I'm like more concerned about how fast can this happen, which is my own pelvic floor dysfunction coming in. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of fun to be able to explain what is normal, what is abnormal in the sense of pelvic floor function. And then it's really affirming, I think, for people to see like, oh, I actually am normal or, oh, here's this one thing. And, oh, it's a super simple solution as opposed to feeling alone and that they have yet another obstacle to overcome. Yeah. You are helping with way more than just physiological issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you're helping people learn to let go of some things, to embrace some things, mm-hmm. to just live their lives. Yes. And to live them yeah. even in an even better way. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's something I've had a conversation with some friends of trans experience before that the bathroom nervousness, you know, Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of things that go into being a transgender person and walking into the bathroom of the the gender that you are and sometimes receiving judgment. I mean, I've even had some, a a very, um, mask, uh, friend that she, She's like, I'm a woman, but she had a woman almost push her out of the bathroom going, get out of here. You know, she's like, whoa, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm right. a chick. Yes. <laughs> I just happen to look really, really butch. Yeah. You know, like there's some people out there who are making people's lives more difficult than it needs to be. And it's unnecessary. And I hope yes. that ends soon. But and- yeah, you're, you're going beyond just helping people learn how to pee or yes. poop properly. <laughs> yes. Or like. Or being able to explore affirming vibrators. Mm, I don't know if you run I love doing that. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yes. So that's something that has been really interesting to me because there are a lot of really amazing vibrators out there. Um, And what has kind of been something that's fascinating to me is you might have a vibrator that's quite affirming. But some brands, the graphics, the images they use to promote the vibrators are not, I don't feel very inclusive, you know? And so it's been really incredible to find brands that not only have affirming um, sex toys, sex aids, whatever you want to call it, intimacy aids, whatever, um, and they have graphics or images or things or whatever, blogs, all sorts of stuff that is equally affirming. And that makes me so happy. 
Yeah. What are some of your favorite brands that you've found out there? I like Envy. Yes. I love that one. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love that one. I like, um, smile makers. Yes. I like smile makers. I've got a bunch here on, on my shelf. Yes. I like, um, Dame products, Mm -hmm. um, is another one that I, um, enjoy. There is, I feel like there's a company that's like maybe Dutch or something like that. I cannot, I can see their, I can see it. Ones that I'm, one that I'm less pleased about is like Lilo. Um, it looks like the vibrator looks like a, a Lilo type vibrator where I would say it's colorful and there's a white part. Um, but I'll have to message it to you afterwards. But I, um, that's been something that's been really fun to me to like look and find stuff that is affirming for folks um, in whatever their expression is, you know, and, um, and also then for me finding things that can work pre-surgery and post-surgery because like good, good sex toys and things sometimes cost money. So it's like, Hey, I want to get this vibrator, but my anatomy looks a certain way. And I know in a few months I'm going to have surgery and my anatomy is going to look a different way. So I would like something that will be with me throughout this experience and be affirming to me throughout this experience. And that's been really fun, um, to work on and discover. So yes. Do you, what, what do you, I'm think? curious what toy you're recommending in that case, because uh, yes. Yeah, so it tends to be one that is sometimes oh, I'll have to, I'm tr- let me quick look. I I like the, I like the mimic clandestine devices mimic because Ooh. it just sort of sits over the pelvic mound. Although yeah. it is pink. So it's just, it is kind of annoying when toys are only like pink or purple. I hate that. <laughs> um, let me look at, I cannot believe um, and I also lucked out. I found a local dildo maker here in town ooh, that makes, nice. yeah, that makes silicone toys. And some of my uh, non-binary clients have enjoyed that. Yes, I'm quick looking. So we have in Minnesota, we have this place called Smitten Kitten. Ooh, and I love that name. Yes, and they have a lot of amazing stuff. Let me see internal. So a lot of times I go to their website and then if people are fun factory, Oh, fun factory. Yes. I have their Stronic G. That was my birthday present to myself. Yes. So fun factory has a bunch of ones that I, let me see which one. Yeah. I wrote a, a piece about buying new sex toys and I write for a, a paper here locally. They're all turning yes. the newspaper to pitch. And I, um, was saying like, Oh, it's my birthday in January. I, I want to pick out a new sex toy and I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, here's all the things to consider when you're buying a new sex toy. And that, that Stronic G from fun factory is what I ended up with. Yes. Yeah, so I like, um, I've had a lot of people like the Volta, mm-hmm. um, and the Volta they really like, and the Manta. Okay. Thank you for that. Those two fun factory. I'm like, what is it that, because they look kind of to me like Lilo, but they're not. Mm -hmm. And then for Dame products, like you said, I 
have a lot of people that will like the um, palm, the mm-hmm. P-O-M, that one. Yes. Because it's nice because um, some for some folks, they're not sure about penetration. Mm-hmm. And then also the arc has been another one because that you can use for, I can teach people how to use it for manual techniques to do self-releases. Mm-hmm. So that's been one that's nice too. Yeah. Yeah. One I was, I don't know if you've had any experience with this one. I've recommended it to some, I'll say it this way, penis owning people mm-hmm. who perhaps have gender dysphoria or just, mm-hmm. they're not wanting to stroke their penis to accomplish orgasm because right. uh, they're not, they don't feel like they own a penis. They're, they're women. They happen to have penises. So, um, I recommended the pulse three from hot octopus. Ooh. because it's shaped like a cannoli it's hands-free yes and yes. that way they're not having to go through the sensation of stroking yes it's simply stimulation and like taps um like taps and vibrates so then that way they're still able to accomplish orgasm but not in a way that's making them have to stroke their penis yes i like that and that's the thing that again just as a side note i get so perturbed, like even looking at this, like octopus one, like the person's hands that is holding it is like clearly that's the biggest problem with marketing. Yeah. Is that they make it. Yeah. I look at it. it. Yes. I get what they're doing, but at the same time, I'm like, literally, if you just changed it, just modified it ever so slightly you would open your ability to sell to so many more people. And that's what I just, that's what's confusing to me. So I would love to one day, I always say I want a seat at the table. And so I, I, which I feel like, you know, we've all been saying forever, but I'm like, who are these people that are at the table making these decisions? And I wish I could just, I just, please invite me to this freaking table. Right. I'm, hmm, I'm with you. My yeah. plan is to keep growing yes. this brand so that yeah. I can be somebody one day who can sit down and be like, you know, per, this is something you should consider. And they actually listen. Yes. And then they actually start asking more questions. I'm, yes. I don't want to call myself the I word. I hate, I hate the influencer word. It's not about that. Right. This, this mm-hmm. is more about making sure that everybody is feeling like, there's something out there for them. And like, there's no need to have a man's hand in that marketing. I, exactly. under, I, again, I'm with you. I understand like their whole point. And it was, it's their marketing team that it's just, you lazy. know, it it's is lazy marketing. Lazy. It's lazy. Yes. And I totally know what you mean about the influencer thing. My friend who used to work for target, who's kind of business mentored me, he said everything that I'm doing now, what you're doing now, we're just creating social proof of why we, um, like exist and why we should be the people writing the articles. We should be the people that are getting consulted for the marketing stuff. We should be. And so he, you know, yeah. So you're doing excellent stuff. You'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I digress. Thank (laughs) you for letting me look that up because I was like, I could, I was just mind blanking, but yeah, smitten kitten in the cities there. I love their website. So incredible. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. Um, people are always asking me for specific sex toys. So glad we could 
put out some, some yeah. brands, do some shout outs for some brands and some specific toys there. So I think one last topic that we haven't covered yet is, um, intersex. I know what intersex is, but I'm sure a lot of people listening are still going, what is that? So help me explain yes. it to folks. So, cause okay. it has a lot of variety. So. Yes. It has a lot of variety and it's, um, what is interesting from my perspective and coming from a major medical institution like Mayo Clinic is a lot of people come in with health concerns and then we start to do these testings and suddenly it's like, oh, just FYI, the 70 year old man has ovaries, you know, and like, no wonder him and his wife couldn't get pregnant. So Intersex, from my understanding, please correct me, is that um, you are essentially born, you can be born with sort of like both, um, both pieces of anatomy or components of anatomy. So in that example, you might have a penis, but also have ovaries or, um, and so then mm -hmm as you're going through medical stuff, they might be like, oh, why are we not seeing your testicles? And then, or maybe you kind of have some testicles or one, and then you have these ovaries as well, or mm -hmm. um, we'll see people who, when they're like really little babies, their like genitals are not necessarily fully formed to either option. And so what will happen is they might not have like the urethra in place mm. or they might have the vagina kind of connected to the urethra. And so um, we see that at Mayo Clinic um, specifically with like little, little, little babies. But then also conversely, I've seen the um, other side of things where it's like, usually people had these medical issues and then they come in and Mayo does this further testing and it's like, Oh, okay. So, um, you don't have ovaries, you have a uterus, you have all of that, but you actually have testicles. Mm -hmm. So it can be, like you said, so vast, so different, but what I, I don't know, like the actual medical exact definition. So what would you say? No, I mean, that's, there's a, such a wide variety because it just means that the, you may have, as you said, multiple components, or you may have both of everything that there is such a wide variety. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, it is congenital. And if you know, a redhead, you probably know an intersex person because they're about the same amount of the population. They're both about 1.8% of the population. Mm. So, I mean, I know lots of redheads, so yeah. I'm sure I know lots of intersex people, but as you say, a lot of times people, unless there are some uh, abnormal, uh, anomalies with their external genitalia, there are lots of adults who have no clue that they are intersex until, as you say, they're starting to experience some things like infertility or mm -hmm. pain. Yes. So yeah. Um, now, and that's, as we're talking about, you know, transgender treatment, intersex is you know, to clarify for those out there listening is not the same thing. Um, you know, that one does not have, one does not have anything to do with the other. However, when we're talking about the pelvic floor and we're talking about those muscle groups, um, both intersex and transgender people have anomalies. They are different than say the general population. Yes. Yeah. And oh. 
And you hit the nail on the head and what we say, and we said this earlier about um, kind of this normal. I remember I read a statistic where anatomy books, what is featured in anatomy books is only like 40% of the population. And then the other 60% is a complete difference than, than that. And so as a person who's sort of always has their anatomy book by them and loves looking at different things. I was a little bit shattered (laughs) because I was like, what do you mean 40%, you know, and we need to be explaining this to the general population and the general public that 60% of us are deviations from, you know, when we think that this is the standard, I guess I always assume standard means more than 50%. And it's just yeah. not, you know, it's just not at all. And you so, even just blew my mind. I mean, I, I'm not in the medical field that like, yes. that. Uh, yeah, that blew my mind. I had no idea it was only 40%. Yes, exactly. So it's just, it's crazy to me. And so when, whenever you have, so whether you're a clinician listening to this, an educator or um, a patient If you start to notice your deviation from normal, so if you've always done something a certain way and then that certain way is not working for you anymore, or you have a goal of something you want to achieve and you can't get there, that's when we start to, we need to ask more questions and asking them sooner rather than later um, is so important because a, a lot of the folks that I have treated or seen from an intersex standpoint, like I had a a gentleman who was having abdominal pain, severe abdominal pain his entire life. Well, it turned out he had endometriosis. And yeah, no one knew that that's what they kept treating him for prostatitis and they kept treating him for this other stuff. And it turned out that he had endometriosis and, you know, no one had even considered that. Right. he was coming to me to figure out how do we treat this endometriosis. And so, um, so again, he had been existing with this cyclical abdominal pain for years and years and years and years, and no one knew what was going on and no one could put the pieces together. And finally, he just said, this is enough. I've dealt with it for 20 years. I'm done. Um, And so try to come earlier than 20 years, try to, if you start to notice and you do some things like you're trying to, like we were talking about the vibrators earlier or whatever, you're trying some things and it's not feeling like it's working. That's where these professionals can help. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to tell people with pelvic floor therapy that it used to be the sixth or seventh step that insurance providers would allow you to do, but now it's more the first or second. So you can absolutely just either make an appointment with a pelvic floor therapy specialist, or you can ask for the referral out from your primary or your, your OB or whoever. Yes. Somebody should be willing to send you out to a pelvic floor therapist. Yes. And a lot of States like Minnesota is direct access. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that you don't need a referral from a provider, but many insurances require that you have a referral from a provider. So for instance, when this, when Minnesota was not direct access, someone would say, I want to come see you. And then I could be the one that would then go harass the doctor to say, these are the things they're reporting. And this is what I'm going to be able to offer. Because unfortunately we still do have 
many, many providers who say that's not going to help you. Um, and usually as a physical therapist, or for sure for me, if I can't help you, I know within that first one to two visits. Um, and so you, you can go from there. Yeah. I can't hurt to at least go try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So if you're listening and it doesn't matter your gender identity, if you are experiencing any of the issues that she talked about, you need to go see a pelvic floor therapist. If you are a person of trans experience, you probably need to do a little digging before you go see a provider and make sure like check out, as you say, do that stalking, check them out online, see what kind of things they're putting out there on their social media or on their, their website. Talk to the people around town, find out who's going to be affirming of your gender, who is going to make sure that they are not misgendering you who is going to like know the things that they need to know. So, but there's lots of public floor therapy is something that has really as a profession has exploded over the last decade. Yes. If you are not in Rochester, Minnesota, you can definitely (laughs) find somebody in your area, but um, maybe go to Dr. Laura's page and see if they follow each other first. Cause then you'll know. (laughs) Yeah. Then you'll know. (laughs) Well, this has been a wonderful conversation today and very, very, very informative. Um, mm-hmm. I, I heard you say that you do also mentor people in the industry. So mm-hmm. for whether it's someone who might have a question for you, someone who just likes yourself and wants to follow you or someone who's interested in mentorship from you, how do people get a hold of you? Yes. So, um, you can get a hold of me, uh, with my email, Laura at lauramayhoffer.com. But even if you wanted a lower hanging fruit than that, just go to my Instagram at Laura Mayhoffer. Um, I'm the one that's responding to all of my direct messages. Um, and that is really honestly the best place for people to just reach out in a really informal, no pressure way. Um, and then also my website, uh, www.lauramayhoffer.com. It has a contact form and stuff, but there's so many free resources and I love free. I don't know if it's a me thing. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing. I love free. I love skills. <laughs> um, and so there is a vast majority of content on there that you can access. And I had one individual who just went through my blogs, went through my YouTube videos, uh, and my Instagram content, and they ended up being able to self-treat. So, um, please utilize those resources. Uh, and then if you have any questions, even if it's a minor question, just reach out because there's life's too short to struggle. And I want to here to help you. Let's get better together. I like the way you think. Cause I say life's too short for bad sex. Yes. (laughs) I think we have a lot in common. Yes. Uh, Well, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining me on keep them coming. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks for listening to keep them coming with open the doors coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes or stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. 
send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.